Good evening. Welcome one more time. Bible Code 7 University of Spiritual Warfare. So much we could tell you again to reinforce what we have told you before about spiritual warfare. But let me just start out by saying this. Give you an example. In the book of Acts, the 12th chapter, King Herod, the ruler, the ultimate authority back in those days, he grabbed a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, called James, and he butchered him. He chopped his head off. And when the king saw that it pleased the Jews, the king was very uh, turned on because he was a, cloud, a crowd pleaser. He was a people pleaser. So he grabbed Peter shortly thereafter, and he said, you're next. The bottom line is when the, the James was grabbed, the church did absolutely nothing. The church was doing nothing before. The church did nothing after James got beheaded. Nothing before, nothing after. And what happened? The Bible said he grabbed Peter. It says, when you look at it and you say appeasement, it begs aggression. When the church is not praying, the church is at its weakest point. When the church is not calling upon the Lord, the church is begging to be a, the victim of aggressor. When a church is not praying, the church is begging to come from its position of being a winner into being a loser. When the church is not praying, the church is begging to be a victim to be dead, to be killed. And this is what happened with James. James was killed. There was no prayer going up. But after Herod grabbed Peter and they put him in jail, the church stepped into high-intensity spiritual warfare. And what happened? The Bible tells me that God, as a result of this high-intensity spiritual offensive warfare, that he sent an angel now, please understand that God only needs one angel, one angel. He doesn't need a bunch of angels to do the job. All it takes is one. And he sent an angel, went into the prison, kept all the men sleeping, walked through the walls and through the iron doors. He went into prison, cut off uh, Peter's handcuffs, and his leg irons fell off of him, opened every door before him, all the men lay sleeping, and the angel walked Peter out the jail, walked him down the street. Then, after he realized what happened, the angel disappeared. What, what does that tell me? It tells me that we need to be in constant duty of having angels dispatched for us. So as my wife told me that story about the child trafficking and what happened in Georgia, how many people were arrested, I said, yes, because we pray. And when you pray... If you don't get instant results, don't worry. You are going to get results because the Lord hears the prayer and he is bound. He is going to answer them. And this is what a, a University of Spiritual Warfare is all about. Tonight we want to talk about getting into a globalist mindset. What is a globalist? A globalist is a person that believes in a one-world government, a one-world ruler, one world religion. Globalism is defined for us in Revelation 13. The ultimate globalism is Revelation 13, 16. Everybody is requi required to have a mark 
in their right hand or in their forehead. Upon getting that mark, we identify ourselves with Satan. We are telling Satan, Satan, you are our God, and we are going to worship you. We belong to you. You are ours, and we are yours. We are the sheep of your pasture. That's globalism. That's globalism. But we are of the ultimate kingdom nature. We belong to the kingdom of God, of which there is no end. <clears throat> we must understand that the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, which has no end, that king in the kingdom is King Jesus, and we are allegiant to him. We think about that kingdom, because that is the ultimate global kingdom, the everlasting kingdom. All the world's global thinking and the global mindset is going to be rubbish. It will be rubbished. They'll find themselves in hell. And after hell, the Bible says, hell, death, Satan will all be taken and they'll be cast into the lake of fire where they, the tormentor and his wicked angels and all the people that follow him, all those wicked souls, they will be there for all eternity, tormented. They will never escape, and there will be no, no way out. <clears throat> we must understand that the globalist mindset, nothing is off limits for them. They will use any means, methods, devices, and strategies. They will lie, cheat, steal, kill. The Bible says Satan has come to rob, to kill, and to destroy. So anything Satan uses, they will use also. They will pervert, they will corrupt, they will do anything to deceive people into coming over on their side. So nothing is off limits for them. God saw Father Abraham, one, uh, who was one man, but a father of many nations. This is how Satan has looked upon things for many, many years. And understand very carefully that Satan imitates God. So God saw Father Abraham. He was one man. But he looked and said, I'm not just looking at Father Abraham. I'm looking at his descendants. I'm looking down the line when he has children and what he's going to teach his children. God says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. In other words, just like you love me, Father Abraham, I'm going to make you have children, spiritual children. And they're going to have that love for me too. Because God promised Father Abraham a seed, a spiritual seed. That seed was Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us. That's Galatians 3 and 16. One singular seed. That seed was Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ today, God has multitudes and multitudes of children. It's an us versus them. Who? Us, the believers in Jesus Christ, or of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, versus them, those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. You might be a nice person. You might be the mayor. You might be a president. You might be a king. You might be a royal, a billionaire, movie star. It doesn't matter. It is an us versus them, the body of Christ versus them who are not of the body of Christ. Yes, I do know that many of those who are on the opposite side right now are marked and destined for salvation. I was on the opposite side once myself. Then we must understand that it is our duty to pray for them 
and pray them out of sin and onto salvation. We must understand it is the Jesus brand versus the Satan brand. You're either under the blood of Jesus Christ, my friends, or you're under the mandate of Satan. There's no other way. You cannot straddle the fence. It's either or. We, the believers in Jesus Christ, we are in the minority. I want you to know that, and I want you to understand that right now. We are outnumbered nine to one. And we must understand that some people, listen to me carefully, some people say we're outgunned. We're outmanned nine to one. There are more of them than there are of us. So they believe that numbers can do the job. But I want you to understand and start flipping the coin and understand that numbers don't work with God. Me plus Jesus makes the majority. Do you understand that? When Elisha was confronted with a, a, a whole hordes of armies surrounding him, and his servant went to him and said, Oh, Master, alas, we're dead men now. What did Elisha respond to the young man? He said, oh, God, what's wrong with this boy? God, just open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord responded to Elisha, and he opened the boy's eyes. And when the boys looked out, and he saw the spiritual forces that were around him, and he saw the chariots of fire, and he saw the angels, the fiery angels, around these pure, mere puny mortal men. He said, oh, there are more of us than there are of them. This is what we're asking God to do today. This is what Bible Code 7 University is, at, is all about. Asking God to open your eyes in the spiritual dimension so that you can see the Word of God. Now, when you re begin to read a story just like that, if God did that for Elisha, he must do it again. He's not a God about dead people, that he has a great track record of back when, but he can't do the same thing today. No, absolutely not. The Bible tells me that I am the Lord God, and I change it not. This is what he said. The Bible tells me that God is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's going to change and become a clammed up from yesterday, then he doesn't deserve to be God. It's like a young man who was young and vibrant. And then he gets to be a middle age and he gets like kind of pot-bellied and becomes sedentary. And then he gets kind of old, he wants to sleep, he's senile. That's not God. That's not God. And, you know, in, in many times you look at Christmas, coming over to the New Year, they talk about Father Time. And they show Father Time as an old man with a long white beard. That's not our God. Our God is eternal. In the beginning, God. He always was. He always is. And he always will be. That's his name, Jehovah. I am, I was. I was, I am, and I always will be. That's our God. He has no point of beginning, no point of ending. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He is God. We just can't see him through our physical eyes. And this is the God we serve. So we're not outnumbered. We're not outgunned. We're not outmanned. We have the word of God that when we approach our God with the word, he listens. And he watches over his words to perform it.
not in our timing, even though we might go to him and say, God, make haste unto me, O God. In other words, hurry up, God. I'm in trouble. Hmm? Make no tarrying, O God. Just like David said to him. But he will come through on his timing. But he will respond. He will save you. He will come true for you. And this is my assignment to build. Build a generation. Build a group of people that trust God and his word so much that we will not be shaken by nothing that we see going on. We will look at the globalists and we will tell them, sure, you're a billionaire. Sure, you're flying a private jet. Sure, you, you accumulate mass, masses of money. Sure, you've got thousands of people working for you. Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos and Bloomberg and all those billionaires. Yes, you have influence. You can do things in the media. You can turn a story around. Yes, you can, but you can't turn Jesus around, buddy. And number one, number two, you ain't no better than me. I am better than you. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You're headed for the rubbish heap. You're only having your time of good stuff right here on earth. But when the time comes, when, when, the, when reality hits home, it's time to go into eternity, you're going to the rubbish heap. You're going to hell where you'll be burned for all eternity. Where am I going? I'm going to paradise to be with Jesus for all eternity. And everything else he got for me up there, I will be with him in that beautiful place called paradise and the new Jerusalem, which he's gone to make for me. Do you understand that? So we are not outnumbered. We're not outmanned. We are not outgunned. We are the people of Jesus Christ. We are the sheep of his pasture. And it's an us versus them. Let's look at Genesis 12, and let's get into the globalist mindset. Genesis 12, verse 2. Father Abraham was told by God, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I'll bless them that bless you. I'll curse them that curse you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. So he makes a promise to Father Abraham how he's going to bless him. Do you know and understand that Satan imitates God? Yes, he imitates God. Satan came to Jesus and said, Jesus, listen. And he took him up on the, uh, uh, on the top of the temple and he showed him all the king, kingdoms of the world. And he said, all this is at my disposal. All the kingdoms of the world. Anything you want, I'll give you. All you need to do is fall down and worship me. Make a deal with me. I'll make you famous. I'll make you rich. Hmm? Sounds, sounds, sounds like something we're we talking about now. I'll make you a billionaire. I'll make you a super billionaire. I'll make you famous. I'll make you a rock star. I'll make you a popular singer. I'll make you this. I'll make you that. You will excel. Why? Because I'll pull back my hound dogs from you. I will not resist you. And anything you want to do, I'll give you a leeway and you will be great. You shall be a blessing, but you will belong to me. So that's what Satan is saying. And this is how many of the billionaires get their money. Do you understand that? That's why they are so anti-Jesus. But if you notice, most of the billionaires and the world's rich people, and the, the, the Hollywood crowd, I call Hollywood the, 
the nest of demons. They're all in favor of globalism. Virtually no one you hear is talking against globalism. So, if you don't talk against it, most likely you are for it. So globalism is pushing towards what Satan wants to push to. Satan is using the same strategy that was robbed from God. Why? Because he imitates God. He said, I will be like, I will be like the Most High. This is the reason why we have dynasties, lineages of rulers. This is where we have kings and nobilities. You can take, think of the King of England, the Queen of England, coming from a long dynasty of rulers, kings and queens, going all the way back. They still has as a figurehead dynasties. This is where you look, talk about rich families and rich men, and they seem to proliferate, and they get bigger and bigger. How do you think the dynasty started? They've served Satan. They have nothing to do for Jesus. Rich families, rich houses, fashion houses. When you look and you run in and buy some of these handbags and purses and jewelry, you're buying from these rich houses as a Christian, giving your money to demonic enterprises that Satan has made rich. Do you understand that? Many of these people are so astute now. They take their money and they put it in major stock corporations, airlines, food companies, and they spread their money around. So you will find out that they will always have money coming into them because they have a source. This is how Satan does it. And you've got to understand that the corporations, they want to tear down national barriers and they want to rule the world and have the world under one umbrella because of what? One thing, computers. Computers. You can start a business somewhere in, in the islands, Australia, Germany, and you can tie everything in real time through what? Computers. You can know everything what your business is doing. Just sit at your desk. You can know every sale that goes on through what? Computers. In real time, through the computer, everything is being managed and controlled. And this is what Satan has, our Satan has planned to control the world with. When he said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, clouds, above the heights of the clouds, what is he telling you? And what do we have uh, relative today? That talks about the clouds. Hint, cloud computing, cloud technology, storing your information in the clouds. You're leaving all your information and putting it up there so some big, big, big company like Google, uh, Apple, can store your information, all of your secrets, in the clouds. And when they store it there, they'll know everything about you. That's how Satan is planning to rule the world. No secret. Bible reveals everything. Everything. Everything revealed in the Bible. I wrote in the previous book, that will shortly come out, and I'm writing in this book again, talk about the weapons that they have, 
how people rule the weather. They can control the weather. All stuff. And all you got to do is go to the internet and search it out. It's there. It's there. How they have some weapons. And when you see, because you see, I'm always asking God, how is the devil going to do, or what's he going to do, for example? When he says, the Bible says in Revelation, he's going to call down fire from heaven. What does that mean? How is he going to do that? Only Elijah can call down God's fire from heaven. Well, is Satan going to get it right where he's going to send fire from heaven? No. He's going to use technology. How can fire come down from heaven? Well, number one, number two, you can have an over, overflying plane. You can have a drone <clears throat> up there that sends down a beam of fire, but not that. The Lord led me to directed energy weapons. Yes, directed energy weapons is in the Bible, where they use like a laser. And from space, they can send down a beam of fire and destroy in a targeted manner. They can destroy certain things, cause fire, and leave other things alone. And through that technology, Satan will blackmail the entire world and say, listen, it's bow or burn. If you do not worship me in your countries, I am going to call down fire and send down fire. I'm going to burn up your houses. And I'm going to destroy your houses. So the Bible tells you that he will call down fire from heaven if you don't worship him. Worship the image of the beast. That's a serious, serious, very, very serious part of Scripture. Because the technology exists. And I'm just giving you a little clue of what I'm writing about now. The technology exists in direct energy weapons, dues, to destroy from space houses and lands and targeted things. This goes back to a couple of years ago. <clears throat> There was a very bad fire season in California. And I looked at the pictures of what happened in the forest fire, and I was really feeling sorry for these people. You know, it happened so quickly, and everything, their houses burned, and everything just swept, and certain people lost their lives. And I looked at a, a picture, and I started flipping through some pictures on the Internet, and I said, my God, this is, you know, I mean, you think you're living in paradise with all these trees among nature, the little squirrel and the animals, you know, and everything is just so nice. And I said, my God, these people must just find out that, you know, all of a sudden you lose everything. Well, I came to a picture and I saw the rims of the cars melted. The alloy rims on a car melted, and I mean really melted down. And I said, wait a minute. This is not real. Do you know what temperature it takes to melt those alloy rims? You're talking over 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. When you burn rubber, you burn a car, it doesn't burn the rims like that. It burns the rims, yes, but it don't melt the rims into like liquid, oozy, oozy. No. And then I began to look, and I began to look, and I looked at the pictures, 
And then guess what? I saw this picture of a cul-de-sac. And in this cul-de-sac, there were about seven houses in the cul-de-sac. Every one of the houses burned to the ground, the cars. And then I looked at the pictures. Not even a doorpost was left. Everything burned to a crisp, burned to the ground. Nothing, not even a doorpost. Now me and you know that in a real fire, there must be a little piece of wood left, something left standing. That's just normally, naturally how it is. Everything was burned. But guess what? When I looked around the burned houses, this picture was taken, and it was taken to show the forests around the burned houses. Guess what? Every one of the trees around these houses were nice, lush, and green. But every one of those houses were burned and the rims on the cars melted. What in heaven's name? This was supposed to be a forest fire. Hello! This was supposed to be a forest fire. All the fire from the forest catch, catch on the houses and burn the houses. And not one tree around the houses were burned. They were nice and pretty and green as ever. And I said, something is wrong with this picture here. Something is wrong with this picture. Because you see, I'm thinking. I am thinking. Most people would look and they just let it fly by. Say, oh, well, you know the house. No, 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 no. You don't burn a rim and melt the rim with just a normal rubber tire burning upon the rim. Yes, the rubber will burn, but it doesn't melt the rim. Something of high energy hit that thing. Can't prove it, but guess what? I can go, I can tell you, that that rim has to melt. An alloy rim, it has to be so tough because that rim carries a car. And it has to withstand a certain amount of temperature. And it has to be of a certain durability. So we must understand that Satan has a tremendous amount of weaponry. And these directed energy weapons that he has, he can cause, cause fire down, or cause fire to come down from heaven and burn up houses, cities, towns, and he can turn around and blackmail mayors, presidents, kings, town rulerships, countries, nation. If you don't worship me, I'm going to burn your town up. You will never be able to escape me. Why? Because I've got the weapons up there, and I can cause fire to come down from heaven. So that's how Satan is going to do it then. And you know how I found out? I asked the Lord. That's right. I asked him. And the information is right on the Internet. And he begins to show me. He showed me the modern inventions, the modern weaponry. And by the way, do you know that same directed energy weapons are in the Bible? Yes. Zechariah 14, it talks about this is what's going to happen when these nations come against Israel. It says, while they are standing on their feet, their tongues will consume, consume in the King James, 
in most other versions it says uh uh it's it will it will i forgot the word they use but the king james says it will be consumed oh they use the word rot rot means if you leave a fruit outside it will slowly rotten uh, degrade then it will become no good but the king james uses the word it will be consumed consumed by fire so it goes on to say that their tongues will be consumed out of their mouth and your eyes will be consumed out of their eye sockets before their bodies hit the ground. Did you hear that? No, that's not a nuclear explosion. A nuclear explosion it comes and it just blows things up and vaporizes it and just blows everything to smithereens and you see a big mushroom cloud. This is what you call a directed energy weapon it's a laser weapon and i've researched it it's got to be about fifty thousand watts 50 kilowatts of energy minimum is that technology available of course it is it's on most of the u.s navy's ships it's on most of their they have drones with uh directed energy weapons and israel has it because the bible in zechariah 14 was talking about israel they're going to come against israel what are they going to come with they're going to come with their ak-47 they're going to come with tanks they're going to come with all that stuff but israel will have directed energy weapons and this is what god reveals so I want to get your mindset. I want to get you out of your chair. And I want to get you to know that there are certain things that are available technologically today that Satan will not pull back. He will not uh, stop. He will not cease. He will use anything, trickery, deceit, force, blackmail, to make himself worship. And that's what he will do. Call down fire from heaven. And when he calls on that fire, houses and lives and people will be burned up. And say, listen, you get the message. If you don't, if you don't worship Satan and make an image to him, if you don't do it, guess what? You're next. It's either bow or burn. Oh, by the way, does that sound familiar? Bow or burn? Does that sound familiar? Uh, do you think they did that back in the time of Babylon? King Nebuchadnezzar he made a golden image and he said, when you hear the music, bow down and worship my image. If you don't bow, you will burn in the fiery furnace. So that's what Satan is doing. That's what he will do again. You either bow or you burn. So we are going to see that Satan has been passing the mantle his satanic mantle to the next generation. And it's important that you need to understand this. The daddy was a devil worshiper. Huh? The granddaddy was a devil worshiper. The great, great, great granddaddy was a, de a devil worshiper. And these are the things that goes on in royalty. Of course, they're going to have some semblance of religion. Hmm? They're going to have some religiosity about them. Hmm? But they deny the power thereof. They do it for show. It's show. It's like a show trimming, like the royals. They started their own church. And they started their own thing to make themselves blending with the people because, you see, this is what the people like. So we'll do that and appease you. But you don't understand that they're a bunch of, of, of uh, deceivers.
And this is what they do. They'll do anything to deceive you. They'll do anything to get on the inside of you. You've got to understand that they will do everything to deceive. No holes are barred. Everything is on the table. Every option is on the table. And they hand it to the next generation. And that's the reason why I tell you, Psalm 109, cut off the generation. Cut off the legging. Judas, that was the psalm about Judas. God, let not that wicked man his generation, let no one live in his tent. As far as his generation is going to be concerned, let not this wicked dynasty persist. Cut them off. Cut them down. You're not doing anything evil or wicked by praying Psalm 109. Because what? These wicked men, they pass the mantle to their next generation. This is what wicked billionaires do. And unfortunate, it looked like it seems like that the, the granddaddy was a kind of man. He had a little scruples about him, hmm? and the daddy had a little more uh, less scruples. But now the children have come, and they have even less scruples. They are they're just blatantly wicked. Go back to the kingdom of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. God showed him that he was the image of gold, the head of gold, with the chest of gold and the arms of gold. He was a good man, but he had pride. He had a pride problem. And God warned him about his pride. By the way, this is, this is a warning to America about our pride. And when he got lifted up in pride one day, one year to the day, he went after he was warned. He went and he said, look at this great Babylon that I have built with my own hands. Bam! The anger of God fell. The Bible says that God took his mentality from him. He was made to be like a beast. And he went to live in the wilderness, in the forests. Hair grew upon him like an animal. Claws grew upon him like an animal. And he lost his mind. And at the end of uh, seven years, his mind came back to him. God restored him. Well, he wrote what he wrote and said, There is no other God but the God of Daniel. And he humbled himself before God. And that was the daddy. Then look at Belshazzar, the son. Belshazzar should have learned the lesson of the daddy. Why? It was rehearsed in his ears. What did Belshazzar do? He called for a wild orgy. Anything goes orgy. A thousand of his lords. They began to drink. and They began to carry on. Anything goes party. You get the picture. In a wild orgy where everybody gets drunk, anything goes. Just like we have today. Legalize the sodomy. Anything and everything goes. Anything. No rules. No holes barred. And this is what he did. So the son became worse than the daddy. So we find the successive generations of wicked become wicked-er. And we're living in that generation now. How will you handle them? What will you do? And this is the reason why the Bible, God told, uh, Jeremiah told God, says, God, look 
the wicked. You make them to prosper. You have blessed them. You have caused them. And they don't have nothing for you. They give you lip service. And God looked at Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, if you're running in a foot race with footmen and they weary you, what will you do when you're running with horses? And what will you do when the Jordan swells and you're running in the forest, in the thicket? What will you do? You better learn how to handle this thing right now. So this is not for Christians to roll over and succumb, roll over in appeasement. You better learn how to war. You better learn how to pray without ceasing. Get to be the real church so Jesus can send some angels. You better learn how to fight. You better learn how to be on the offensive, which is the only defense. Because the generations that are coming are wickeder. The Harry Potter generation, the little kids that grew up in Harry Potter, they're the ones that are coming up now. And let me tell you something. Used to be back when they used to come and they used to do hocus pocus. These kids now, they're learning how to use their minds like Harry Potter. And through the evil, wicked minds, they're bringing about evil, wicked manifestation. What will you do? How do you handle that? Do you sit back and suck it up like a dry sponge? Do you lay prostrate on the ground to be used as a good doormat? Do you get yourself on a wall like a dartboard so you can fire your arrows in me? Use me as your dartboard. Do you hang on a chain like a punching bag and say you can punch me, kick me, hit me, beat me? I love to be beaten. Not this guy. Not Norman. If you want to do that, I mean, that's fine with you. You carrying Jesus, you say you're a Christian and you want to do that, that's okay. Your faith in Jesus Christ will get you in heaven. You don't want to resist, you don't want to fight back, that's all right. It's up to you. But that's not what my Bible teaches me. Satan will use any and every means to achieve his ends. This is what globalism is all about. We will do any device. We will deceive you. We will trick you to achieve our end, our goal. But the Bible says clean hands and a pure heart will bring one into the heaven and with the, in the presence of the Lord. We must have what? Clean hands and a pure heart. Which means what? For us believers, the Bible says we are sent out as little lambs among wolves. And what is little lambs supposed to do? Little lambs are supposed to what? Be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. That's what the Lord tells us to do. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. We know the modus operandi of the serpents. We know what he's going to do before he even does it. <laughs> you think you're deceiving me. I know exactly what's in your head. I know your next game plan before you even play it. Hmm? I know what you're right because the Lord showed me. That's why the Lord is showing me and telling me and show me when he calls down fire from heaven what he's going to use and how he's going to blackmail the whole world. So God is putting all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together. 
You've got to understand when you query God and press in to God, he will reveal these things to you. It is the glory of the king, or it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the duty of his servants to what? Search out the matter. God, how in heaven's name is this going to be done? I want to know. It's in the Bible. Anything in the Bible, I have the right, the privilege, and the authority to preach it. But I need the what? Inside revelation. I need the understanding. Because if I don't have understanding, you can't teach what you don't understand. You can't reveal what you don't understand. So we gotta re, we got to search out the matter and get God to reveal the understanding. Like, like Daniel, press into God. And he will show you things. And the, last night, uh, early this morning, I saw these words like I'm reading my Bible. To enter in the presence of God, we need what? Clean hands and a pure heart. That will bring us. Who shall stand in the holy hill of God? Who shall stand in the presence of the Lord? Them who had clean hands and a pure heart. Then that's what we're seeking for. Pure hearts, clean hands, wise as serpents, harmless as doves. What are we going to do? We're going to utilize the word of God. You can't get any cleaner than that. My hands are clean. I didn't hurt nobody. My heart is pure. Because my heart is what? The word of the living God. I have a pure heart when I'm angry with the wicked every day because it's the word of God. God is angry with the wicked every day, and I am angry too. I have a pure heart. It is the word of the living God. My heart is pure. My hands are clean. I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't lift a finger up to do any, anything to anyone. I pray to him. And let him fix it. My wife said we prayed and asked God about the children and tra child trafficking, sexual trafficking. God fixed it. They were arrested. We have pure hearts. And your heart is pure when you pray the word of God. It can't get no purer. The word of the Lord is pure. Purified seven times as if in a, in a furnace of a fire. So we are a pure-hearted people. And please understand we fit the criteria that we will go to heaven and stand before Jesus. Our hands are clean. We don't, we don't harm people as much as I'd like to wring some people's necks and take a baseball bat and bang him over the head. I got to control my temper and say, no, we can't do that, son. Can't do that. You see, some people, they're acting out stupid right now, but they are marked and destined for salvation. They either repent or they perish. So our hands must be clean and our hearts must be pure. Let me tell you something. Your heart don't get no purer than when you use the word of the living God. I guarantee you that. No words are as pure and as holy, and that's the word, that's the meaning of holiness. Purity, without variable, variableness, no shadow of turning. Our God is a holy God. We have pure hearts. Why? Because we utilize the living, breathing word of God, the rhema. Spirit and life, the word of God.
Our hearts are pure. And we are going to go into heaven because that's all we use. Satan will use anything and everything because he robs, he kills, destroys. And we are on guard against his deception. The globalist mindset is reaching a crescendo just like it was in Genesis, the sixth chapter. Verse 5, God looked down to the earth and he saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination, not some imaginations, every imagination of the thoughts, plural, of his heart was only evil continually. Nothing good could come out of his thoughts. Evil continually. Evil consistently. Nothing good came out of it. That was an evil tree bearing evil fruit. And this is the mindset of a globalist. It's the mindset of a Satanist who is a globalist. This is the mindset of some beautiful looking women, handsome looking men, and many of our political leaders today dressed in nice thousand, five thousand dollar suits and dresses looking very good, sounding so intelligent. They're globalists. They're evil. Every imagination of the thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. And it repented him. God felt sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Well, God, didn't you know this was going to happen? How could you be grieved? Yes, no, he knew. He gave man free Opinions, free choices, not robotic. He didn't make you and say, you must worship me. No, gave you a choice. I had a choice. I exercised my choice. I became the most horrendous being on the face of the earth. I became an atheist. But thank God he didn't kill me. He didn't allow me to die. He saved me. And here I am teaching and preaching Jesus and the pure word of God with a pure heart, the declaration of his word. I want to share something with you that I'm writing on today, and it talks about the intents of men, globalism. And I went back in history. I did this when I was a young boy in university. I studied this, and uh, we did a little research on this talks about the tyranny of the American government. And my source was history.com. It talks about the Tuskegee experiment, the infamous syphilis study. And you've got to understand where the mind of men come together. And if you have a mindset of men, globalists, coming together, well, these were not globalists per se, but they came together. And this is what they did. And when they did this, you've got to understand that if they did this here, there's a greater group of men that's got some globalist agenda, and especially with the talk of vaccines right now, that there's a nefarious evil coming together. And I want to read this for you as we close out this segment. Tuskegee experiment, the infamous syphilis study. Syphilis is a disease normally sexually transmitted. Known officially as the Tuskegee Study of Untreated Syphilis in the Negro Male, the study began at a time when there was no, no known treatment for the disease. 
This is from Elizabeth Nix, May 16, 2017, from History.com. The Tuskegee experiment began in 1932 at a time when there was no known treatment for syphilis. After being recruited by the promise of free medical care, 600 men originally were enrolled in the project. The participants were primarily sharecroppers. Many had never before visited a doctor. Never before visited a doctor. Doctors from the U.S. Public Health Service, which was running the study, informed the participants 399 men with latent syphilis and a control group of 201. They're making 600. Others were free of the disease. They were being treated for bad blood, a term commonly used in the area at the time to refer to a variety of ailments. So they thought they had bad blood. They were ill-informed. They didn't have the Internet, so we can understand that. Many of them had never gone to a doctor. Poor, poor, poor people. The men were monitored by health workers, but only given placebos not medicines, such as aspirin and mineral supplements. Despite the fact penicillin became the recommended treatment for syphilis in 1947. PHS, Public Health Service researchers, convinced local physicians in Macon County, this is in Georgia, uh, Macon County, not to treat, no, this is in Tuskegee, Alabama. So Macon County was not, yeah, it's in Tuskegee, Alabama. Not to treat the participants. And did you see that? They convinced the local physicians in Macon County not to treat the participants. And research was done at the Tuskegee Institute, now called Tuskegee University. The school was founded in 1881 with Booker T. Washington as its first teacher. In order to track the disease full prog progression, researchers provided no effective care as the men died. They went blind, they went insane, or they experienced other severe health problems due to their untreated syphilis. All this time, they always thought we had bad blood. They gave them placebos and aspirin, and they thought they were gonna get better. Well, they died with the disease. In the time of 1947, they could have had penicillin. The doctors were told, don't touch them, they're off limits. In the mid-1960s, a public health service venereal disease investigator in San Francisco named Peter Buxton, God bless you, Peter Buxton, found out about the Tuskegee study and expressed his concerns for his, to his superiors that it was unethical in response, PHS officials formed a committee to review the study, but ultimately opted to continue it. I want you to hear that. Public health services officials formed a committee to review the study, but ultimately opted to continue the study. Do you see wickedness there? Do you see a mindset there? A wicked mindset right there. I hope you see that. They opted to continue the study with the goal of tracking the participants until all had died. Kill them. Let them all die. That's an evil, wicked mindset. You hear that? Autopsies were performed and the project data could be analyzed. As a result, Buxton leaked the story to a reporter, friend, 
who passed it on to a fellow reporter, Gene Heller of the Associated Press. Heller broke the story in July 1972, prompting public outrage and forcing the study to shut down. My God. Now, this was what you call a real news reporter. Mr. Heller, Mr. Buxton, may the Lord bless them. May the Lord bless their descendants, their children. May the Lord save them if they're not saved. So he broke the story in July 72, prompting a public outrage and forcing the study to shut down. By that time, 28 participants had perished from syphilis. 100 more had passed away from related complications. At least 40 spouses had been diagnosed with it, and the disease had been passed on to 19 children at birth. You see that? And do you think I believe in all the authorities that get together and tell me they're going to look out for my welfare and this is what they're going to do, this is how they're going to do it? The World Health Organization, knowing their agenda, depopulate the world? I don't think so. You've got to think for yourself. I'm just using this to show you that men in the greatest nation of the earth, America, got together and said, this is what we're going to do. And they suppressed this information. And people perished from syphilis. They let a whole bunch of people die. This is the wicked, wicked mindset of wicked, wicked and evil people. And this is what we have got to be aware of. You cannot trust people. When it comes to sticking stuff in you and doing all kind of stuff, you cannot trust them. And when you allow yourself to be used as a guinea pig and you don't do some research, and we got the internet. Doctor give you a medication, a prescription, and you go, and you, before you even take that pill, you need to go on the, uh, once you get it from the pharmacy, you need to go on the internet and punch it in. And read up and see what the side effects is going to be. You trust the doctor more than you trust Jesus. My God, at least punch up the information on the internet. What is, this, what is the uh, side effects of it? Headaches, dizziness, nausea, vomiting, constipation, irritable bowels. Muscle cramps, yeah, nervousness, can't sleep. You've got to find out the side effects. People go taking medication, and when they take a medication, it has all these side effects. And then what, they go back to the doctor, the doctor gives them another medication to counteract the side effects of the first medication. What stupidity! How asinine! And this is the state of medicine in America today! They are masking sicknesses and masking. They're not treating. They're masking. They're not getting to the root of the problem. And this is where you got to come in. It's your body. Don't let nobody tell you stuff. And if they, if they give you things, you say, no, 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 give me an alternative. I want something alternative to this. I don't like the side effects of this. 
You've got to get on the offensive. You've got to pray now more than ever before. You can't just accept what people give you. Not because the drug companies make it. It doesn't mean that it's good. And by the way, all the vaccines they're proposing for COVID-19, all the drug companies have told the Congress, the Senate, we must have immunity. And they've all gotten immunity. So if something happens, you take the vaccine and you get sick, you die, whatever, you cannot sue them. Nothing comes out of it. You're just dead, cry, boo-hoo, bury you. Do you hear that? Why would you want immunity? Because you don't, you didn't do your work properly. You didn't test your stuff properly. Or uh, uh, <clears throat> maybe there is another agenda. The heart of man is deceitful. And above all things, it is desperately wicked. And who knows it but Jesus? Do you understand where I'm coming from? The globalists have an agenda. They have an agenda for America. They have an agenda for the world. And you need to be hip to the agenda. Don't be no fool now. Because your life is hanging in the balance. And if I only reach 100 people and get them wise to what's going on, it'll be a blessing. If I reach 1,000, great. 100,000, fabulous. Million, Fabuloso. I mean, 10 million, 50 million, that would be even greater. I want to reach as many people as possible. Let them know this is the agenda of hell. This is how Satan plans to do what he has to do. Get on the inside track and know what's going on. So please, share with your friends. Bible Code 7. Go to BibleCode7.com. Share with your friends. Put it on your WhatsApp and pass it around. BibleCode7.com. I bought the name, BibleCode7.org. I'm going to activate that name too. It'll all go to one website. So BibleCode7.com, BibleCode7.org, and we will be there so they can get the information they need from the word of the living God. You will know what Satan is about to do before he even does it. You've got to understand that God dwells in the heavens of heavens, in the third heavens. Every day God looks down into the second heavens where Satan is. And he looks through his bedroom window and he sees what Satan is up to. And he says, Holy Spirit, go down and tell my children this is what he wants to do. Uh-huh. That's why when we get an urge or an unction or a vision to pray, we got to pray. Holy Spirit is to show us of things to come. Yes, so the Holy Ghost reveals to us what Satan is about to do. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. And then when we understand what he's about to do, we begin to rain down fire on him, bring up set to what he is intending to do. Tonight, I just want to thank God for this opportunity to spend with you so you can learn how to war and learn that you got to take care of you. Take care of your family. Take care of your little ones. Satan wants to kill, rob, destroy. 
And if you allow him to rob, kill, and destroy you, then your little ones will be robbed, killed, and destroyed. Uh-uh. You've got to speak the words over your body. I will live. I shall not die. Now I will declare the works of the Lord, the land of the living. And with long life, God will satisfy me, and he will show me his great salvation. Again, remember, Bible code 7, number 7, Bible code 7, the number, dot com. Check out our website. Check out our books. Share with your friend. And let's go forward knowing what's going to happen, not in the dark. God bless you tonight. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you. May the Lord God lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Have yourself a fabulous, fabulous night. Amen.